Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on May 8, 2022. We've been studying the Gospel of Luke. Um, and one of the things that you probably have noticed already and that we will continue to notice as we work our way through this gospel is that one of the biggest issues that Jesus faced was hypocrisy. Now, Jesus was not an angry man, so he didn't get angry often, but when he did, it was usually due to the hypocrisy that he faced. You'll know some of the stories. He turned over the tables in the temple because hypocrites had turned a place of prayer into a place of business. He called Pharisees whitewashed tombs because of their hypocrisy. He was angry at the Pharisees because they treated the law with respect, but people with contempt. And that's kind of classic hypocrisy. Now, the truth is, some things never change. The single biggest complaint against the American church today is hypocrisy. Like it or not, the word on the street by non-church members is that we are self-righteous, judgmental, intolerant, religious snobs. I mean, that's what people think about us oftentimes. In other words, 21st century Pharisees. Now, you can decide whether or not that's true of the entire American church. My focus is on me and on Avondale Baptist Church. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I don't want us to be a church of hypocrites. So what I'm going to do today, based exactly on what Jesus said, is give you five principles that will keep us from becoming religious snobs or hypocrites. Now, here's the reality, though, and I need to give you this warning ahead of time. If you listen to what I say and don't live by it, then then you're a hypocrite. Because Jesus' definition of a hypocrite is knowing truth and not living by it. It's kind of his standard operating definition of a hypocrite. If you know truth and don't live by it, you're a hypocrite. So the only way not to be a hypocrite is to take the word seriously and not just say amen to it, not just agree with it, not just say that's right, that's true, that's biblical, but to actually live by it. So I want you to think about this passage. It's the conclusion of Jesus' sermon that we've been studying for the last few weeks. So we need to read it, listen to it, and then live by the words of Jesus. So we're going to read Luke 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verse 37 through 49. Let's all stand together as we read this passage. And again, if you have a red-letter version of the Bible, these are in red. These are the words of Jesus, part of what is often called a Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like 
their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. You may be seated. I uh, grew up going to Baptist Sunday schools, and, and so I just can't read that last chapter without the, the uh, um, song stuck in my head that it seemed like we sang about every other week in our Sunday school. And if you grew up in a Sunday school like mine, then you know the song that I am thinking about. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You guys know that song? That's what Jesus was saying. We're not going to sing it all, Mary Kay. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> but the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And you remember when the floods came, the house went splat, at least according to the version that we used to sing. But we're going to move on from the children's song because I want to give you five principles on how not to become a hypocrite. So we're going to leap into these. Do these things and you won't be guilty of living in hypocrisy. And the first principle Jesus gave us is this, don't judge others, but do judge yourself. Don't judge others, but do judge and take a hard look at yourself, your own character, your own life. Now, don't overinterpret the phrase, don't judge. We're still called to be wise. We're still called to use discernment. We can't totally ignore sin, especially when it occurs in the church. We should continue to teach morality. But we aren't supposed to judge others. I really enjoyed my grandson's over-interpretation of this verse the last time I taught on it when we did the Sermon on the Mount. He went home right after church, and he put his feet up on the lunch table. Mom immediately said, put your feet down, and he just looked at her and said, Jesus said, and so did Grandpa, don't judge me. I think he was a little bit in trouble at home, but Grandpa took him out for Chick-fil-A that week because at least he listened <laughs> to my sermon. But don't judge does mean 
We are not to make decisions about others without knowing all the facts. It does mean that we should not make decisions based on superficial issues like race or appearance or age or any other reason like that. It does mean that we shouldn't judge others based on one action or one day or one issue. We are people of love, and so we're to get the, give the benefit of that love in dealing with others. So don't judge others is the command, but we are called upon to judge ourselves, to look at God's standard and see how we stack up. I think the next principle will help you understand this don't judge a little bit better. And the principle is this, the standard you use is the standard you get. The way you treat others is the way you will be treated harshly, graciously. The way you look at others, treat others, think about others will be the standard that you get from God. And so Jesus is very clear on this. Show love to others and you will receive God's love. Forgive others and God will forgive you. Give generously to others and God will be generous to you. Treat others with grace and God will show grace to you. It's kind of the principle there. The standard you use is the standard you will get. On the other hand, if you find it easy to condemn others, you can expect God's condemnation. If you refuse to forgive others, then you can expect God to refuse to forgive you. If you use a very tough grading scale for others, you can expect that God will use that same very tough grading scale on you. If you refuse to pray for your enemies, then God may refuse to hear your prayers. And that's the principle that Jesus gave. Are you a person of love and grace and mercy and kindness? Then you can expect that from God. Are you harsh, overbearing, hateful? Then you can expect God to treat you that way because he wants you to treat people correctly. A classic hypocrite wants God's mercy while reserving the right to treat others harshly. Jesus made it clear it doesn't work that way. Now, I'm pretty sure you're like me. You want God's mercy. You want God's grace. You want God's love. You want God's forgiveness. You need God's love and forgiveness. You want God's blessings. You need God's blessings. Then treat others in that way, and God will treat you in the same way. And by the way, this is not just this one time. This is something that Jesus talked about repeatedly. The standard you use is the standard you get. Number three, principle number three, take care of your own issues first. A classic hypocrite sees the tiniest sin in their neighbor while being totally oblivious to their own big sins. Why are you worried, Jesus asked, about the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own? Take care of the log in your own eye, and then maybe you will see better and more clearly and be able to help someone else. 
Here's a paraphrase of this passage from uh, the message, a, a paraphrase. Now, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And so I wouldn't use that, this as your primary study Bible, but it still gives great insight into the passage. And when I read this one, I kind of marked it. I love this one. Here's how it reads. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this, I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. You see the point there. Take care of your own issues first. Jesus did not say that we couldn't help others. He taught us to take care of ourselves first. So repent of our own sins before we point out the sins in others. Adjust our own attitude before we point out the bad attitudes that others have. Live our faith before we accuse anybody else of not living their faith. And this is how Jesus lived. You know the story. Remember the story of the, the Pharisees who brought to Jesus a woman who was caught in adultery. It's in John chapter 8. By the way, their hypocrisy was already displayed because it says they caught the woman in adultery, but they didn't bring the man. They only brought the woman. So they already were being hypocritical about the issue. They wanted Jesus to stone her or at least give them permission to stone her or at least go on record saying that he wanted her stoned. His response shows his heart. <coughs> Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Now I want you to think about that. Because too often the church in America is really, really, really good at pointing out the sins of America. Jesus' principle is take care of yourself first. And then maybe you can help others. Spend less time judging others, more time judging yourself. Take care of your own issues first. And if there is time after you've gotten yourself straightened out in a right relationship with God, then you can help but not condemn others. And so I want you to think about these things. Because too often we want to act like the world's moral policeman pointing out everybody's sin. You're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And Jesus said, take care of yourself first. Take care of yourself first. When there is no hypocrisy in us, then we can become a good spokesperson for God and help others through the issues that God has helped us through. So take care of your own issues first. Number four, and listen, I want to tell you in, in, in line with the passage... Be sure you use this principle on yourself, not on others. But the principle is pretty clear. Fruit reveals type. The fruit reveals the type of the tree and the quality of the tree. A good tree, meaning a good heart, bears good fruit. Actually, it's the fruit that tells you exactly what the tree is. 
I'm not much of a farmer. I don't know all that much about trees or crops. Now, there are some farmers here who can immediately see a tree and tell you what it is, see a field of crops and immediately tell you what it is. I, I can't do that. And especially when I'm driving through areas I'm not familiar with and I don't know what they raise there, I can't tell you what kind of plant or tree that is. But I am smart enough to figure out if I see a watermelon on the end, I'm pretty sure that's a watermelon vine. And if I see, I might know it's a citrus, but not what kind. But if I see lemons on the tree, I'm smart enough to know that is a lemon tree. And when the bowls open and display the cotton, then I know for sure that that was a field of cotton plants. The seminary I went to had huge, beautiful trees all around the campus. I went there in summer, and though I was amazed by these beautiful trees, I didn't know exactly what they were. But in October, when I walked out and could start gathering pecans, I knew exactly what kind of tree it was. The fruit indicates the type. Now, I told you earlier not to judge others, but to judge yourself. Here's how to judge yourself. What type of fruit do you produce? The fruit on the outside tells you the heart inside. Does your life exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Is that what people see when they look at you? Is that how you are described? If that is you, that's what people see. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If that's what people see when they look at you, then they know you are walking with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because your fruit indicates the type. Or does your life indicate and exhibit anger, frustration, impatience, irritability, harshness, and a lack of faithfulness and self-control? Bad fruit indicates a bad heart. Now, I'm giving you this to judge yourself. I'm not asking you to go around and start grading people. Because Jesus already said, don't judge others. And we already had that principle, but apply it. Judge yourself. There's other types of fruit. Is God using you to bring people into his kingdom or at least to be closer to God? Is your life exhibiting that kind of fruit? Is God using your talent and ability to strengthen his work and his church? That's another kind of fruit. But understand what Jesus was saying. The outside indicates the inside. And we too often want to say, you don't know my heart. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I believe. What Jesus taught is who you are and what you believe and how your heart is should come out of your mouth and in your actions. Because the fruit on the outside indicates the heart on the inside. So, so use that to judge yourself. I'm not asking you to put yourself down. I'm just asking you to, to honestly go before God and say, I have a fruit problem, which indicates I have a heart problem. So God, forgive me, change me, help me. I've got a long ways to go. And, and when you come at life with that, I've got a long ways to go. 
that will help defeat the hypocrisy in your life because you will recognize we all have a long ways to go. We all have issues. We all have problems. And you'll judge others less harshly as you judge yourself more harshly. And then number five, principle number five on avoiding hypocrisy is to build your foundation. A solid building requires a solid foundation. A solid life requires a solid foundation. If you have watched any building projects, you've noticed that the foundation stage takes an incredible amount of time. You know, scraping off the surface, replacing loose soil with something firm, tamping it down, putting in the underground electrical and, and the wire and the gas and, and, and the sewer and the water and all those kinds of things, digging the footers, pouring the concrete, takes real time. But if that's done correctly, then the rest of the building can go up quickly and be solid. So how's your foundation? I'm talking about the foundation of your life. Do not oversimplify and over-spiritualize what Jesus said about a good foundation. Because typically when someone asks what our foundation is, we give the Sunday school answers. You know, the answers that if you weren't paying any attention to, to the teacher in Sunday school class, they asked a question, you could throw out one of the Sunday school answers. Jesus! The Bible! And you had a good chance, maybe, of just being right. And sometimes we oversimplify and spiritualize. My foundation is Jesus, you might say. That's true, but it's much more than that. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's a true statement and a great song. But a good foundation is more than saying you believe in Jesus. My foundation is the Bible. I build my life on the Word of God. That's true. But it's more than that, according to Jesus. How did Jesus define a good foundation? It's hearing and doing. It's knowing Jesus and living Jesus. It's reading the Bible and living by the Bible. The knowing is the easy part. The reading is the easy part. The coming to church and listening to the preacher is the easy part. The real foundation is what you do with what you've read and what you've heard. Remember how Jesus defines hypocrisy, knowing truth without living truth. And too often in the church, we emphasize the knowing part. Come to church, listen to the preacher, go to class, go to the conference, go to this, this, this special event in which we will give you more biblical truth. Listen, if you are building biblical truth without living biblical truth, you are just putting down a foundation of hypocrisy. And there's enough hypocrites in the world. Jesus taught it's the hearing and the doing that is the good foundation. So how's your foundation? In this sermon alone, Luke chapter 6. Jesus taught us to love your enemies. Got a little pushback on that from some people. Are you doing that? Because if you're not, according to Jesus' definition, you're living a life of hypocrisy. Jesus taught us to bless those who curse us. Are you doing that? 
Because if not, we're, we're, we're living in hypocrisy. Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies. Are, are you doing that? Because it's the knowing and the doing. Jesus taught you to turn the other cheek when insulted. Are, are you doing that or do you have to retaliate? It's the knowing and the doing that makes you not a hypocrite. Jesus taught you to judge yourself. Are you doing that? Or are you still stuck in the mode of judging others? So those are the five principles that will help us avoid being a hypocrite. I want to give you two practical steps today to keep you from becoming hypocritical. Number one, honestly assess your fruit. Are you living a life Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are you bringing people closer to faith in Jesus? Are you using your gifts and talents to strengthen the church? Honestly assess your fruit. Grade yourself if you like grades. How are you doing? Because that's what Jesus taught us to do in this passage. We're really good at doing it to others. He taught us to do it to ourselves. So honestly assess your, your fruit. And then number two, work on your foundation. It's not the fanciest part of your house. It's not the most nicely decorated part of your house. But your foundation is the most important part of your house. And that's true of your life. Don't worry about the decorations, the art on the wall, the color on the trim, the front door of your life. Work on your foundation, which is the knowing and the doing. When my house was being built, I moved about three years ago, um, Don and I would regularly, you know, just kind of drive by to see how much progress was being made on the house. And, and our house is still a big house. It's much smaller than when we had all nine kids living at home, but one of the things we, we went for and got a design that had a very big, great room because we want to be able to invite all the kids and all the grandkids, about 25 or 26 of us there and, and have a big family meal. So we have a really big, great room, and one of the options was that they could put an electrical outlet in the floor in the middle of that great room. We wanted that because we wanted a table there, and I didn't want to have to have cords, you know, coming from all over. So I paid the $500 extra for that option. And the day after they poured the concrete, Don and I went by, and there was no outlet in the middle of that room. Now, it took me a while to figure that out because, you know, the interior walls weren't up yet. I'm walking all around. Shouldn't, Don, shouldn't there... Uh, There should be an outlet right there. So, well, maybe they covered it over with thin concrete and they're going to chip. No, I don't think they do it that way. So I called up the building supervisor and said, look, we paid for an outlet in the middle of the wall, in the middle of the floor, right in the middle of the foundation, and it's not there. He says, oh, I know they did that. I said, well, meet me tomorrow and show me. So I went down there, and he's saying, see, it's right here on your plans, and it should be right They didn't do it. So you know what his first statement was to me? 
we'll give you the $500 back. No. I don't want $500. We'll make it worth your while. We'll give you $1,500. No, I want an outlet there. Okay, you're right. After a foundation is poured, it's a lot of hard work to change it. Because they had to bring out the concrete cutters and, you know, cut it open. And then they had to bring the electricians in. And they had to, you know, take out um, around there to where they could tie into another circuit and bring the... I know it cost them a whole lot more than $1,500. And then they had to put that in and put it in the floor and redo the concrete. Here's what I'm telling you. Rebuilding your foundation after the fact is tough, but it's necessary. Too many of us want to just make ourselves look better. You know, you got a hole in the wall, put up a picture. No, deal with the hole in the wall. Deal with the foundation. I am not at all challenging you to make yourself look more like Jesus. I'm challenging you to work on your foundation and be more like Jesus. And that's hard work. And that means you often got to go back and you got bad habits to rebuild. And you've got all kinds of excuses that you've been using for years that you need to destroy and say, no more. I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm going to rebuild my foundation. And when Jesus said, do it, as hard as it may be, as challenging it may be, as much as it may go against my grain or be against even my own personal philosophy of life, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live by it. So honestly, assess your fruit. And if you're not loving, don't just try to be more loving. Go back to the foundation stage. Rebuild who you are. Take his word seriously. And that takes the hard work. Too often we do the easy part. The decorative part. Worry about the foundation of your life. And the rest will come out of the overflow. If you have a good heart and you're walking with Jesus and you're full of the Spirit, then you will exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Not because you've learned how to do that, but because that's who you are. And that's what Jesus taught. Honestly assess your fruit. Work on your foundation, your hearing, and your doing. Because honestly, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want us to be hypocrites. And it burns my heart when I hear that all too common and sometimes true complaint that the church is just made up of self-righteous, intolerant, religious snobs and hypocrites. We don't want to be that. We want to be like Jesus. Now, that's not a come-to-Jesus kind of sermon, but I think it's really based exactly on what Jesus said. That's who we're to be. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.